challenges that we face. Um, sometimes we think of, of uh, you know, books show us how to live like in a perfect environment. But the Bible tells us how to live in a sinful world that we live in. And it gives us instruction and um, it gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the way God wants us to live in this evil world. Um, now to do that, we, we need to get information, wisdom and strength and motivation from God. In this chapter, look how wisdom is, is gotten. How does a person get wisdom? Um, you don't just sit in a chair in school, open your book, and somehow just get smart all by itself. Just smartness just heaps on you, jumps on you, wiggles all inside your head, and then is bursting out. That's not how it happens. How do you get wisdom? Well, the Bible says there's a condition to it. There's something you have to do. It says, if, look at verse 1, my son, if. That means you have to do something, and if you don't do that something, you won't get it. So when you see if, there's like, that's like a key to something. You need the key to get through this door. If you use this key, you get through the door. What is the key? If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver. So let's look at some of the action words in those verses that tell us what the key to getting wisdom is. Pick out one in verse 1. All right. Call out comes out in the uh, uh, verse 3, right? How, how about receive in verse 1? Pick up another one in verse 2, 3, or 4. Treasure up. Okay, so let's act out these words a little bit. Call out. Um, we know what that looks like or what it sounds like, right? Give me an example of calling out. All right. <laughs> All right. Get the attention, right? Right? Um, when, you, uh, when I went to, some time ago, went to a, a baseball game, they have different vendors walking up and down the aisles, and they're selling things. Some of them sell, sell uh, um, uh, soda, popcorn, peanuts, or whatever. And they call out to you to get it. And if you want to buy it, see, the, the rows are just like the rows we sit in here. They're full, but the, the vendor can't come all the way across the road. So what does he do? He passes the popcorn down and the next person passes it to you and passes it to them and passes it until it gets to you. And you pass your money and it goes the same way. And he passes back the change and it goes the same way. So you have to call out and say, hey, 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 stop here. I want to buy a soda. I want some. You have to tell them, I want some. Call out. So that's a, a picture of the calling out. Treasure up. What does that look like? Okay. How would you treasure up? 
a donut. Uh-huh. Protect it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe put it in a, uh, uh, um, a dish so it can stay fresh, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so not a donut, but uh, God's word, we can do that way. Uh, keep it in our head and heart. Okay, so, yeah, to, 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 to act like it's worth something and then take care of it and treat it that way. All right, let's look at another one. Incline your ear. It says make your ear attentive. What's a picture of that? Anybody have a pet dog? What happens when you go? <laughs> I can't whistle real good with this with this microphone. What does his ear do when you do that? <laughs> I can actually do that with my ear. You didn't know that. That's a special <laughs> gift that I have. Let me see if I can do it. There it is. <laughs> so his ear perks up when he hears that sound, right? Our ears should perk up when God is talking. We should want to understand. All right. So all of these words say something to me that we have to do something to receive what God has, has for us and to actually get it. And um, I want to I wanna show an example of this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 and 25. I want to read that, explain that, and then we'll be done for, for my part today. Matthew 6, verse 24 and 25. Anybody have that already? You can read it for us. I'm sorry. Um, um, Matthew 6. Is it? Mm-hmm. 25 and 26, I'm sorry. All right, real quick, what's the main point there? Huh? Don't worry, right? Don't worry. Uh, I'm thinking about the, um, the Lion King song, Akuna Matata, right? Um, is that what it means? What was wrong with that? Akuna Matata. Anybody know the the the, um, the video? What they were doing? <laughs> there are no worries if they didn't take care of them responsibility. Right. They just got lazy. Yeah. They wanted to live off the land. They want everybody else to give for them. They sit ba sit back and do nothing. Is that the kind of verse? Is that the kind of meaning that that God has here? Don't worry about what you should eat. Um, just sit at home. Don't worry about cooking. Um, somehow the doorbell's going to ring, and what is it, uh, Joe Dash or, or DoorDash is going to come right to your house, and without you thinking about it, they're just going to bring you a, a cooked supper. Is that what the Bible is talking about there? No. In fact, he says don't worry, but he doesn't say don't do anything. Look at the example he gives in the next verse, verse 26. Six. Can you finish reading that for us? Look at the birds of, of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. 
All right, let's look at the birds. Let's take this example. He says, I'm using this as an example of what I'm teaching. The birds of the air. He says, they don't sow or reap or gather in the barns. What's the point there? Sowing means what? Planting, right? They don't plant food. They don't have gardens. They use your garden, but they don't have gardens of their own, right? And, and they don't have warehouses where they get all their food and put it in so they can have it for three weeks later. So that's, that's the lesson. But he says, in spite of them not doing all this stuff, they still eat. How do they eat? The Heavenly Father feeds them. How, think about it, how does he feed the birds? How do birds eat? Where do they get the food from? When I water the grass, I'm trying to grow some grass in, in our backyard, so we water it. And I had dug up some, some grass because it wasn't growing well, and underneath the grass is just dirt. Um, and I started getting it ready for seed and, and putting some water there, so it got real moist. As soon as the water came out, the sprinkler system was going, birds start coming. Why? I didn't plant the seeds yet. Worms. They were there hunting for worms. They said, like, hey, with this moist ground here, I'm sure some worms are going to be here. And then after you plant the seed, you try to put some straw over it so the birds can't get all the seed. But they'll come and get the seed. That's how birds eat. What's our lesson? Birds don't sing a kuna matata and wait for something to happen. But God does feed them. And how do they get fed? By, here's the word, diligence. By diligently going after what's available and taking it in. So God doesn't just open a refrigerator for them and say, here it is. But he spreads it all out. He has a seed all over everywhere. And they go, if they don't find it there, they'll go to the next yard or to the next field. And they'll grab that. Diligence. Diligence. As soon as it's there, they'll pick it up. I was at a, um, um, I was at a store and it had a big parking lot. And these, I don't know, I call them seagulls. They're white birds, pretty big. They flying all over. And one landed right by my car because I was, I was, I had sat there and I was eating in, in my car. And he, he kept looking at me. He was waiting for me to throw something out of the car to him. I'm like, I'm not a little bird. But so many people throw this stuff out of the car. He was waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, and as soon as they throw it out, boom, they pounce on it, grab it. Some of the time they fight over it, then they fly off. My point, and the Bible's point is this. Birds are diligent. The Heavenly Father feeds them, but he doesn't say, hey, just sit in your home and I'll bring it right to you. No, they go out and they get it. They expend energy. They work earnestly and with much effort. I hear them early in the morning. You ever get up before the sun comes up? You can hear the birds chirping. They're busy. They work hard. Next week we're going to look at it. Well, next week we'll have um, testimony time. But after that, I'm going to look at another example in, the, in God's creation of how to be diligent. And that's from Proverbs 6. You already know at the end. We're going to look at God's creation and see how he calls us to be diligent. He says, don't worry. But that doesn't mean don't work and don't make an effort. Be diligent 
in getting what I have for you. And that applies to wisdom too. Go and get it. You should be opening the Bible every day. You should be reading some of God's word. Here I am almost 64 years old. I still learn and, and, and learn weekly and daily. I'm still learning things from God and practicing other things that I should have already learned. Um, and so I'm seeking his will, seeking his knowledge um, so that I can live my life the way he wants me to live. God wants you to do that as well. He wants you to take in his word. He wants you to be active in receiving it. He wants you to call out for it. In, in other words, desire it and come to God for wisdom. God is the one that gives wisdom. He's the one we ought to come to. Jesus Christ is the crown of God's wisdom. And you can't say, I want wisdom from God if you haven't trusted and aren't trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the start of wisdom. Good evening, saints. We're going to be continuing our meditation. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Hebrews has three keys. It's about three ages. It's about the Son of God, but it's mainly about believing in Him. And why do we go through all that description of the three ages? Why do we understand who the Son of God is? It's so that we might believe in Him, that we might be grateful. He says in verse 19, therefore, brothers, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, we're in a new era now. We're in a 
era where we can go and talk directly to our God. And we can go to the Holy of Holy Places. That's not how it was back in the day. It was not like that during David's time. It was not like that during Samuel's time. Everybody couldn't just go up into the Holy of Holies. But he says, we have confidence by the new and living way that he opened for us. And he opened it through his, through the curtain and said, through his flesh, he died so that we might have a way to the Holy of Holies. And since we have a great high priest, what should we do? What should we do? Now he's making this bridge between all the keys. The first thing we need to understand is the Old Testament teaches us that there is sin. It teaches us that when we do wrong, we displease God and we make a separation between us and our God that has to be atoned for. And right from the very beginning, even in the dark Garden of Eden, God killed an animal. But when he killed an animal, he said to them, you're going to have a son and the snake will bruise his heel, but he'll bruise the snake's head. In other words, there will be a human being who will make a payment for sin and he will fight against Satan and defeat him in ways that you have not. And as you go throughout the Old Testament, you have this promise of a people who are seeking to be the people of God. And they fall astray many times because they sometimes the people of God as an ethnicity or a culture. And they miss the fact that God is calling them to believe in him. Samuel made it real clear to Saul. He said, do what God said do. If you do what God said do, if you believe what he said believe, that's all he requires. By saying that he was looking for Moses was in the tents and he had some enemies with them people and the Holy Spirit came on some of his enemies and Joshua was like Moses my Lord stop him and Moses was like Joshua I wish they all had the Holy Spirit maybe they wouldn't be so silly David prayed and said please Lord don't take your Holy Spirit away from me like you did from Saul they all yearn for this age that we live in. That's why they met Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. There was Moses, there was Elijah, and they met him. And after they met him, they looked at all the other ones and they said, wow, that's Moses, wow, that's Elijah. And God said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And he was the only one left. this is the point towards Jesus. When you get to Jesus, you realize you just have to do something simple. You got to humble yourself. You got to recognize that as a human being, your efforts don't save you. And that's the hardest part. I believe the hardest part of salvation is understanding that we are not the hero that can save ourselves. We need to be saved. We're helpless. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have it. But once we do understand that and we humble ourselves, he says, let us draw near with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. 
those are images of Old Testament cleaning, cleaning rituals, right? And what he's saying is, is you draw near, God washes you, God cleanses you. How many people say, well, I got to clean myself up before I go to church? You cleaning yourself up is kind of like my children. They say, well, you know, I'll clean this up. No, no, you're a mess. You can't clean yourself up to my standards. You just need to come to me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting each other, not neglecting the meeting. Why are we not neglecting these things? Because we believe in the Son. And we believe in the fellowship that he has created. So many people don't believe in church anymore. This is a big thing that's going on right now. Even people who claim to read the word and say they don't believe in church. I don't know how you can read passages like this and not understand them. They don't believe it. He then explains this. And he says, if you understand all that I've said from Hebrews chapter 1 through Hebrews chapter 10, and then you go on sinning anyway, there's no hope for you. There's no hope. The only hope is in Jesus Christ. If you know that's the only way and you still go your own way, there's nothing else for you. In fact, you just anger God. you've been taught. And you understand that God has done a change in you. Hard for you is endurance. You have to understand that when God saves you, he promises to you, and he says, for yet a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. Yet a little while, you gotta wait. But he will come. But while you're waiting for the Son of God to return, the righteous one shall live by faith. But if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Faith has this quality. First, it endures. The second one is it has the courage to step forward. And he says, in verse 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. Faith is stepping forward. Faith is courage. And so we all have to recognize the fears that we have. Now, I'm not talking about fear of heights and things like that. I'm talking about the fears that keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Right? Some of us fear whatever they could be. Others' thoughts, others' opinions, fear of missing out. We've got all kind of reasons why we may not want to believe or do what God has called us to do. Also, from you, what you get from that is this. When we believe, we're given also a high calling. And you got to accept it with a certain level of gravity, don't you? It's like you've been given a commission. And you got to accept that commission with the seriousness that God gives you. But we're those who have faith and preserve their souls. So the rest of the book will talk about I asked for prayer last week for colonoscopy I had planned, but I couldn't take it because I didn't prep in time. So I have it scheduled now for uh, July. So just wait to that time to pray, pray for me again. <laughs>